Hi, this is Aaron Azrod, and welcome to the 148th episode of the Truth Island podcast. A question that has arisen fairly recently is the idea of whether or not a person should trust their instincts regarding the major decisions that they make in life. On one hand, each of us has probably experienced moments in our lives where things simply seemed off, where we didn't fit in, weren't working the right job, or were asked to do something that just didn't feel right. Our instincts are not simply superstitious inclinations that we have, but rather innate biological proclivities that compel us away from danger and towards the completion of a certain task. For example, it is said that birds, by virtue of their instinct, are inclined to build nests in order to support their young. There is no coursework or manual that teaches a bird how to do such. In fact, there is not even another bird around often to help in this endeavor, and yet the bird instinctively knows that it is the task it must perform in order to prepare for the next generation. Humans, on the other hand, are also guided by instinct. We feel compelled to help those who are in need, to protect the innocent and weak, to build shelters for ourselves, the need to eat, and even the need to fornicate. However, unlike animals, us humans are also endowed with logic and reason. We are told that these faculties are positive as they tend to make us negate our most basic instincts and aim for something that is of a higher good. For example, a child's instinct to eat nothing but candy bars is negated by his logic and reason, which teach him that eating nothing but sugary sweets will eventually corrode his teeth and can lead to a number of other health problems. But perhaps in the 21st century, the pendulum has swung too far. We now increasingly find ourselves living in a world where every decision that is being made for us is not being made off of instinct, but rather off of data and statistics. We are told time and time again not to trust our inner voice, but rather put our faith in the hands of science and empiricism. While science has certainly given us a lot, and it can often be helpful to know what might be best for large quantities of people, there is still something that feels a tad off when we completely disavow our instincts. Joining me to help regain my instincts on this issue, I am once again joined by Kenny. Kenny, if you had to go on pure instinct, what feels right to you, instinct or science? <laughs> well, <clears throat> if I had to go on pure instinct, see? Instincts, so the instincts or science? I would say that both have their place. And so, um, so this idea that, you know, uh, instincts supersede science. And when we're talking, when, when we, you know, when we're talking science, what are we talking? We hopefully we're talking about, you know, um, true science, actual science, which is simply observations and then making hypotheses of those observations to test whether, and then making so observations, theory, hypothesis, and then um, how you say results, right? So finding out exactly what what is. So I think science is actually science is is very uh, is very philosophical in the sense of it's still trying to find out what the actual actual um, what is true about this life, and I love that. Um, so, uh, but science science cannot, at least for now, answer every question. And so there are still things that are um, that we're still trying to figure out. Instincts, instincts can be incredibly helpful because we have 
like you had mentioned earlier in the, you know, in the introduction, we have instincts that make us, give us this, this strong impulse, you know, um, either build a community, um, build, a, build a home, have kids populate and so forth. Um, but we also have instincts that kind of go against certain, like go against certain, certain good things. <laughs> um, like, you know, he had mentioned about the, cat, the kid who wants to eat candy all day and it's hence the sweet so we you know human beings we often instinctively we, de we desire things that are pleasurable sweets and so forth and that's not always a good thing because you, know, you have cavities and then you have diabetes and you have um well malnutrition altogether and then you know it's a it's it's then you're it's just food for the earth so i i i would say that it's, it's a bit of both because for those places that science has answered answered honestly questions about the about reality i would say absolutely science then for sure science in in you know in hopefully in, in the in the true sense of the word um should be the um should be our director while you know when when we when we don't really where we don't really know or where we don't really understand certain things then instincts can be very helpful you know, I once my wife and I went to a <clears throat> to a hotel. We, we were driving, I think we we're driving to Colorado, and we had stopped at a hotel. Where um, once I saw the hotel, and this is why you never never book a cheap hotel. It's just it's just it, just spend the extra dollars. Yes, and look at the always look at the reviews. Okay, always, always yeah. look at. It doesn't matter what your in like. No matter what my instinct tells me, I always go on the websites and read like look at least a hundred comments of like here was my experience. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. When it comes to hotels, I am a pure scientist. Absolutely. So you know, we went to this hotel and uh, my instincts said get the hell out of here self-preservation it's like don't stay here it's not safe and i was like yeah you know, go in my I'm, like, yeah, I'm, a, I'm a six foot two black man there's no way in hell i'm gonna be in any danger you know like but i i i came out to get the uh um to get our baggage from the car and there i saw a very peculiar sights i saw people ducking and crawling about and almost looked like someone was going to get shot someone had been no one had been shot but it looked like someone was about to get shot and i i told my wife listen get in the car we are getting the hell out of here so um, though there was no specific danger there was no specific how you said besides the, the awkward crawling about or you know hiding behind bushes or whatever it was that was going on there was no indication of imminent danger, but my instinct said, don't stay here. And I gladly obeyed. And, you know, here I am today talking to you. So to, to reiterate it, it's, I would say there's a, there's a place, there's a place and a time for both. Okay. There's so many things that we um, need to unravel here, and then this is going to be a good discussion. So I think that one science needs to acknowledge that our instincts are there for a reason. They're actually a survival mechanism because sometimes science makes it seem as if our instincts are just superstition or faith or belief. I'm like, actually, if you really look at science, our instincts are there to protect us. And I loved your example of the hotel room because that's exactly what your instincts are there 
for Kenny because that hotel room, that hotel room represents a lion, and you're 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 like you're tapping into your tribal instincts of like there is a lion here, there is danger, right? And and lion today translates with a a dangerous man with a firearm that's nearby, right? And science doesn't like like if you were traveling with if, if it was you, your wife, and we'll call and you were traveling with a scientist, the scientist would be like, it doesn't matter that people are ducking, we need to go to the room and take a look. But it's like no, Mister Scientist, like my my animal instincts are kicking in, there's something wrong with this place. Even though I, I haven't observed a man with a gun, I feel that there's a man with a gun in this hotel room and we need to get out of here. And, uh, you know, it, it's like from a logical standpoint, right? The, the, the rationalist scientist would say, no, man, if you don't see it, it's not there, or, right? If you can't prove, right? If it can't prove it's there, it's not there. But there's something you know, there is something that's magical within us that, that tells us that there is danger on the horizon. So I, I think that science scientists just need to acknowledge, like, we don't understand how instinct works, but it does have, like, it, it is something that protects all of us. Yeah, I mean, it's, so now, you know, how do we, the question is, how do we, how do we define instincts? Yeah. And, you know, I, next question is, okay, is, uh, are all our instincts right? Are all in, our instincts correct, and so forth? And um, you know, I, I one might even say that science itself is born from instincts. Yeah. In the sense, that man has an instinct, an instinctual desire to understand his universe, to understand the world, and so you know, um, there is there is within us this primal place where from which we derive this incessant desire to study and to create and to create you know the subject of science in, in the sense of observation and and then science from there becomes you know um becomes more methodical abandons the instincts becomes more methodical and uh, um, um but but i'll say one gave birth to the other okay so I think there's two types of science. I think there's science that coincides with our instinct. And that science is absolutely beautiful. So like I have an instinct that eating candy bars is not going to be healthy for me. I have both the instinct and the science to back that up. It feels wrong and it is wrong, right? Like, so the science is there. And I think for a great deal of science, it actually supports our instinct. Like people will learn something. And like, I remember being in psychology class, right? And they had these fancy terms for everything. And I remember just sitting there being like, yeah, I kind of know that. I, I kind of know that. I don't have fancy jargon to explain that phenomenon. But something inside of me has known that that is always true, right? And that's beautiful. Like when, when the science that is um, being created kind of corresponds with our instinct, that's actually a very beautiful thing. Now, here's the difficult part. What happens when the science does not correspond with our instinct. And I'm going to give you a perfect example of this. And we've actually talked about this example before. Um, in the case of child rearing, there's a lot of science that's saying, let your kid run wild, let them do whatever they want, and then they will naturally organically grow into a human being, you know, and I'm like, something about that goes against my instincts. Like, I feel that kids need boundaries, and they need rules. But 
you have an example of where science is telling you to raise your kid in one fashion, whereas my instincts are telling me to raise children in another fashion. And I, I think that we are getting at some crossroads here where maybe throughout the 20th century, the science and the common sense and the instinct were all going hand in hand in tandem with one another. But now we're getting to a level where some of our instincts are telling us that something's wrong. That, I think that's that's <laughs> that's 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 actually pretty pretty uh, um, pretty interesting because I think you're right. There are places where, and child rearing is one of those places that is in fact you know an interesting meeting of the opposites. You know because often your instincts when it comes to when it comes to your kids is very different from what uh, what the, uh, what the everyday psychologists would tell you. You know and um, uh, at least, but here's the thing: is that with even with even among psychologists, there are many different ways of you know, many different schools of thoughts on how to raise children. You have this um, idea of it, what was it the um, something along the lines of I forget what it called, but it was a cycle. It was this. Um, there's a show called Caillou, and it's 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 built on the psychology of a certain you know, on the on a, on a, on a certain you know psychological idea. Um, um, really pushed for by uh, some French psychologist whose name I forget right now. But the idea was simply to, I, I don't butcher this, the idea was simply to raise the kid in a, in a way that is, they get to do what they want and you just be there as a some sort of a loving support and so forth. And it sounds like a really good idea on paper. It sounds great. But the problem with that is, you know, kids can be horrible. Yeah. You know, so you have this. I mean, that's why Caillou was actually pushed back. I mean, when when the show came out and people started seeing just how horrible this kid was. And this was a PBS show, by the way. It was created by two Canadian ladies who were really big fans of that, that psychologist. And when it came out in the United States, it was at first it was accepted for a little bit. And then when parents started seeing just how badly this kid behaved, there was a really big pushback. And now it's actually been canceled or moved from PBS. So sometimes, and people often consider, you know, psychology as soft science because it's, you're dealing, you're not dealing with hard, you're not dealing with hard concrete facts. You're not dealing with, you know, quantifiable, measure, measurable um, elements. Like, you know, this is a, a, a gallon of water being poured into, um, being mixed up, being mixed with, you know, this, uh, a certain measurements of whatever other, you know, um, um, chemical or whatever it is. So you're you're dealing with you're 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 not dealing with um, you're not dealing with an exact science. You're dealing with a very loose science, and that's that's where that's where the problem arises. And um, because people, children, like people, you know, even though even it's hard to you know hard to consider them fully people, but kids, people are very well complex. They, there's there's there there are a lot of factors that go into how to who your child is and how they're going to interact with the world. So, so when it comes to when it comes to soft scientists, when it comes to you know um, um, science, well, science like psychology, um, I, personally, I kind of take it with a grain of salt because there's no, it, it's it's hard to make absolute statements. It's at least as far as I know, it's hard to make absolute statements. Um, at least if 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 not all the time, lots. Uh, quite quite that, that's often the case and uh i still think that 
they could get it wrong and they often do as far as I know get it wrong but when you're dealing with when you're dealing with mathematics when you're dealing with numbers when you're dealing with um um elements that could be observed elements that could be um that could be that their 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 behavior is either consistent or or you know varies by a very small variable it's it's easier to to make concrete concrete um, judgments concrete uh, um, statements about these things um, so when it when when I, I would say that now we have to now say okay there are two types of sciences there's the hard science concrete mathematics numbers unchanging things you know the tree is the tree is a tree this tree always bears mango fruits it always does that's just what we what we what we've observed that's why we call it a mango tree now if it sometimes it bore this fruit or that fruit and so forth and it becomes this chaotic um this chaotic uh, um, expression of nature then it would be very difficult and i think when you're dealing with you know when you're dealing with people hence the you know um the science of psychology you're dealing with very chaotic um very chaotic environments and so it, it, it's it's hard to pin things down so often i would say that when it comes to those kinds of things it's very important that if you i mean reading reading the scientific journals and finding out what the today psychologists are saying it's all fine and dandy but i would say that your instincts as a parent because we are we are natural beings i i believe that we do have a uh, um a capacity to to have this inborn knowledge of how to raise our kids just like a bird knows instinctively instinctively how to fly at a certain age at a certain time so when 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 you become a parent there's certain instincts that crop up in you and as i would say it's all it's pretty good to pay attention to those as well okay i think that's an excellent distinction and I, I do believe I do agree with you that the soft sciences is a lot weaker than the hard sciences in, in many regards because the soft sciences has a much more difficult job. It's trying to predict human behavior, and we are very irrational, chaotic beings. So it's really <laughs> difficult to do that. And I, I agree with you. If you're a parent, you know your kids better than any psychology magazine or article or whatever you just do and i i think that as a parent you need to trust your instincts of like no my kid needs to be disciplined it doesn't matter what the psychology magazine is telling me i know in my heart and i know my instinct is telling me that, that my kid is falling off the deep end here i'm taking away their iphone or whatever um and this this and i think i think the same is true for politics i think the same is true for sociology and all other soft sciences it's like we interact with this world and we just know what is right and we know what is wrong like we, we know it at a instinctual level and this actually complements what socrates and plato said they said that all knowledge of good and evil derives from within us right and I, I think that the bible also speaks of that as well that we instinctively know what is good and what is bad at least at least in matters of like human affairs right in terms of like human morality in terms of like how to raise our kids when someone is getting out of line when this politician is lying to us our instincts typically serve us pretty darn well especially like when when, when we're when we're watching the news and we see a politician it doesn't matter what the, um, it doesn't matter what the mainstream press or whatever is saying, you can just look at a person talking on the television and know that guy's lying to me or that lady is lying to me, right? And we, but there's something about that. There's something about that inner voice within us that, that can look at someone's face and say, they're not being truthful right now. They're being deceitful. And, and I think our instincts, they may not 
it may not be a hundred percent, but I, I, I'm willing to wager that our instincts are right at least 80% or more of the time when it comes to who, who in this world to trust and who in this world not to trust. Okay. Yeah. I want to tackle a little bit of the hard sciences because I'm starting now. I, I agree with you that the hard sciences are a lot more robust than the soft sciences, but I'm also starting to see a few cracks in the hard sciences as well. And I think one example would be um, the industrial revolution and climate change. You know, if you were living in the 19th century or early 20th century, come on, man, there's nothing wrong with driving this car. It's perfectly fine. It's totally cool to get in this car. It's not going to harm the environment. And then boom, like 100 years later, we're finding out that these cars are now emitting like carbon emissions and destroying the environment in ways that we never predicted. Physics, I used to have a lot of respect for physics. I thought that physics was like ironclad, but now I see that there's all of these different theories, right? Like there's all of these different theories emerging in, in physics, like this is just a giant simulation. No, 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 it's just, con it's just our consciousness. The universe is actually doing this. The universe is actually doing that. And I'm like, well, geez, I thought that physics was hard science, and I think it is hard science when it comes to explaining the laws of gravity and the speed of sound and the speed of light. Like I think physics, physics is very robust, but when you actually look into theoretical physics, you realize it's just a bunch of guys, you know, spouting off their opinions, right? Because there is, right? And yeah. like, 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 and, and we're, 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 you know, in the field, we're having all of these people coming out with their quote unquote grand theories of the universe. And this is, and I'm like, come on, dude, you're, you're just a dude. You're, you're just a dude saying what, what you believe is reality or what you believe the world is working for. So, I'm starting to see the holes in the hard sciences. I grant you that the hard sciences is way more robust than the soft sciences. And I think the hard sciences shine very nicely. Like if you wanna build a bridge, I think engineering 100%, it's totally robust. But I'm starting to see that there's some holes and weaknesses when it comes to the more theoretical side of, of the hard sciences, especially in areas such as physics. Well, you, <laughs> when, when you're dealing with human beings, that's some, one of the things you're going to get. We like, some of us like our, you know, steaks, well done, medium rare and rare and so forth. The point is simply that when we're, when we're dealing with people, um, when, wherever there's a loophole, whether, whenever there is no an exact, where, where there are no exact numbers, exact laws, you find that um, um, a bunch of theories, opinions and so forth are going to come out. And um, um, it's all, it's all then, then it's any man's game, you know? It's it's quite natural. It's quite it's it's, and this is why it's important for every man to think for himself. It's, this is why it's important for. Um, so I, I generally have this idea that I don't I don't care I don't care who said it. The question is not who said it because we you know um, I'm not a scientist, and I know that people have high regard for scientists. No, but nobody thinks more highly of scientists than scientists. So, you know, look in the mirror like, oh, my goodness. That's a, that's a great <laughs> quote. No one thinks more highly of scientists than scientists. And there are and there are some, you know, I have to say there are some very arrogant scientists out there who say, oh, religion, just a bunch of fairy tales and nonsense. You know, I'm like, well, hold on there, Mr. Scientist. Hold, hold on there one second. Like, just because you're not interested in something doesn't make it less valid. You know, maybe, maybe 
um, you know, religion is not going to help you build a bridge, fair enough. But it's like just it does have utility to it. Just because you don't find any utility in it doesn't mean it doesn't have any utility. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's uh, I think that this is one of the problems with when I find that a scientist is is an atheist, the question is not for me, it, it, it now becomes a question of, okay, so what's your proof? You need like what's what's the proof for not believing in either um, um, a god or um, or even in religion? The sense the, the point is, you know, if you're if you're really a scientist, it's not a matter of you. You have to be honest with yourself because you have to come about these things honestly. And the question now becomes: Okay, what's 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 your proof for their being, or your your proof for their not being? And so I, I would say that an honest, an honest scientist actually has only one place to be, and that's usually the agnostic in the sense of it may be, it may not be. And, um, and I, that's because if, if you're going to be, if you're going to be a scientist, I believe that it's, it's important, it's, it's important to be consistent so that, so that you're trustworthy, you know, it's because this is not a, it's it's not it's not a game of emotions, and it's really not a game. It's not a game of you know um, preference. A scientist is one of those, at least the ideal scientist, and that, that profession is held in such high esteem that there is uh, that there is very little room for one's own dilly dallying about. It ha- it really it really has to come down to what is versus what isn't, and proof for what is, and proof for what isn't, and so forth. Okay, I I had a feeling we were going to go here, and I'm glad that we, it was just a matter of time before we made it to the Holy Grail here, and and here is essentially the problem with science, and I, I think you stumbled upon it very nicely. When science stays within its respective domains, like here's how you build an engine, here's how you cultivate stem cells, here's how you build a bridge, here's how you build a tall building, when science stays within what it does best within its, because science, what does science do best? It does the best of building stuff and giving us technology. And, and you know, it does a lot of wonders and making us healthy and, and creating cures and vaccines and all this wonderful stuff. That's what science does extremely well. And when science does what it does extremely well, we love it. Where science is starting to go awry, in my opinion, is when it, it wants to be religion. That's, that's what, that's the cardinal sin that science is making right now is that you have physicists or, um, you you know, you have like physicists that are coming and they're like, we can explain infinity, we can explain the universe. And I'm like, okay, you've made some inroads with the Big Bang, you've made inroads with explaining that, but like, you're not going to take the place of a religion. The, the, The other domain that they kind of step on is like, what does it mean to be a good human being? Or what is the meaning of life? Like when it comes to the larger questions, you're not going to take the place of religion and philosophy. You're just not, you're just, it's not what science is meant to do. Science is not meant to do this. And this is what, like, this is one of the things that I get into arguments with, like, I'll, I'll be randomly on Facebook and someone will post, you know, why do we need philosophy anymore? You know, we have science. And I'm like, you know, it's like, it's like asking, why do we need hammers? We have screwdrivers. It's like, well, 
you need both, right? I'm not saying, right? You need both to do different purposes. I think the purpose of philosophy and religion is to give our life meaning, make us into good people, um, and, and explain some of those like higher questions that don't really have an answer for. That's simply not the domain of science. And I think science is making a fool of itself by trying to devil, trying to dabble in areas where it was never meant to dabble in. Yeah, but that's because people people have given it free reign to do so, and um, science is actually. I mean, scientists have actually often they've they've taken up the mantle of we know everything, and so it, it's one of those things where once you're looked as a person with all the answers, even when you don't have the answers, you are hard pressed to give an answer because you don't want to be you don't want to be seen as less. If I've, I've noticed in life that it's one of the hardest things for people to say is i don't know and when you're dealing with you know hyper intellectuals and when you're dealing with people who have been you know applauded all their lives for giving the right answer um it's really hard for it's really hard for people to 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 acknowledge they don't know a certain thing or to or or to let somebody else answer it so you can't so when we're dealing you know the scientists in all their glory god bless them are still humans and in, in what I've noticed about what, what if we know anything about humans is that we lie, we cheat, we steal, we are unkind. We 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 we're humans, you know. Um, so science, the ideal science, is beautiful. The ideal I, science ideally is beautiful. But when you have you know humans who are um, who are involved, and you can't have science without humans, um, you find that it's. Um, it becomes it becomes a very different game. So you had mentioned earlier about you know it becoming a religion and uh, um, stepping into domains that really don't that don't suit it at all. It's 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 what we do. It's what we do. We 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 always want to spread out. We always want to take over things, and um, and it, yeah, it's 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 just a natural progression of of, of the human psyche. Okay. Yes, I. I... I, I think that like it's not just like a lot of people might write this off as like silliness or foolhardiness and like oh well, you know they're they're just trying to provide like they've been they've been lauded for giving the right answers all of their their life and they're just trying to continue to do that but I actually see see something a little bit more fiendish about this because I think it is an attempt for them to kind of broaden their power base. And, and like, again, maybe this is just the politician in my mind thinking right now, because it, it, it's not just a question of like, oh, you've accidentally stumbled upon or you're misguided in this theory. It's like, it's this idea of they want to be the sole provider of answers. Now, why is it that the scientist wants to be the sole provider of answers is because they want sole power, right? Because you don't want to just be knowledgeable because you want to be a knowledgeable person. You mm -hmm. want to be the sole source of information because you want to control people and you want to have power and influence. So I actually see something like when I see all of these theories, like, is this a simulation? Is this um, consciousness? I see like this attempt, this very meek attempt to try and control us like see we can explain the universe we have and i'm like no this is just simply the conjecture of men and women sitting sitting behind tables and coming up with theories and again 
These theories might be right, they might be wrong, but they're just theories. And I, I have a problem where my, my problem arises when some of these theories are treated as fact, when they are not fact. They are just simply the theories of men. And, and, and again, and I, I say to myself, well, why are these men coming up with these theories? Is it just intellectual curiosity or is it to exert power over someone else? Well, you know, I want to I want to believe that intellectual curiosity and, you know, just having good old fashioned fun having and good old, or good old fashioned, you know, professionalism is taking place. But, you know, by now, my, my view, my view of man and, and, and life is, um, I would say, way, way past that. And I think that people are often, as you said earlier about power, we're much more motivated by uh, it's 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 money so it's sorry it's it's uh, it's power it's um pleasure and um materialism and so at the end of the day this is this is really this is really what unless the person is a very you know very unique individual you're dealing you're really dealing with these things this is this is all there is people think that simply because you know a person is a brilliance they think they think oh he's 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 brilliant he must not care about you know the 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 basic things in life no he does power the accumulation of power is i mean is super important to a lot of people i mean the average human being doesn't even know how interested they are in power like how interested they are in power like to <laughs> i like that yes yeah. <laughs> Like the simple act of turning on my television from my couch with the remotes is awesome. It's the it's it's for, for now is the closest I've come to anything telekinetic. And on the and on the second day, he said, "Let there be television. Let there be <laughs> let there be HBO, baby." You know. <laughs> so, so you know, um, yeah, scientists are human beings, and as much as they don't like to be reminded of it. Um, they are humans, and they 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 are prone to um, not only mistakes, but mistakes are understandable. But what's what's not what's not understandable is a, a conscious, um, deliberate twisting of things, twisting of ideas, or twisting of 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 knowledge for one's own personal gain. Yes, either material gain, um, gain of uh, accumulation of power, and. Um, uh, and, and the like, yeah. Okay, so I, I want to like clarify something I, I said earlier because it might be. Um, I was just thinking about it a little bit because yeah. I, I don't want to. I don't want to hamper anyone's intellectual curiosity. So if there's a scientist out there who believes or has a theory that this is all just a simulation, I don't want to be like, no man, you can't touch that with a ten foot pole, right? Like. My, my, my friend, go ahead and explore, go ahead and write mathematical proofs, do whatever you think that you need to do. It's just that my concern comes when the scientist goes from, hey, you know, I came up with this crazy conjecture and then starts saying, oh, I came up with the, I, I stumbled across the secrets of the universe. That, that's where I get a little worried, where it's like, you've taken your intellectual curiosity and now you've presented it as something that it is not. It's fine that you call it conjecture. It's fine that you call it theory, totally cool. But when you start presenting it as fact, that has to be power driven. That's not just you being, that's not just that you're not just a kid playing with like building blocks and having a good time. It's you presenting something that's just a theory as being fact. And why exactly are you doing it? It's 
what you just said a few minutes ago, it's because you're concerned, you're trying to elevate your own power. You want to, you want your name to be in the textbook of like, I discovered the nature of reality and blah, 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 blah. And it's like, you just haven't, you just, you're not there, man. And you, it, that's not for you to do. And I, I, I think that humility is really going to be the answer to all of this, because I think, I think the best engineer knows how to build a bridge, knows how to, you know, um, knows the physics of everything that they're doing. But when you ask the engineer, hey, engineer, what's the meaning of life? He goes, I don't know. Why don't you go ask a priest? Or why don't you go ask a rabbi? Or, or why don't you ask a philosopher? You know, that's where I think science actually looks magnificent because it it's confident and it's robust in what it does know. And it's powerful, powerful in what it does know how to do best. Like you would never, you know, you're not going to ask a philosopher, you know, how to build a bridge because that's not, that's not where their power uh, lies. So I think True power is when you know what you're powerful in and the things that you're not powerful in. Well, yeah, that's, uh, I think that's well said. It's, that's, that's, it, it's humility. It's, 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 it's an understanding of one's place in life. It's understanding of what one knows and what one does not know. It's honesty. It's, it's, I think it's pleasant. It can be pleasant to the soul. And, uh, but yeah, when you're dealing with humans, when you're dealing with humans, you, you, you have to take it all. This isn't, and humans are known for the accumulation of power and and uh, and, and goods and and the desire to you know um, was was the word was yes for fornicates that's <laughs> that's you know so whatever whatever gets us those things it doesn't matter if it's often it doesn't matter if it's you know right or wrong it's just a matter of how quickly how quickly can I can I get what I want. Okay. So the last thing I, I want to say here before we close out is I think it's important to go over some domains and perhaps some areas in which we should yield to science and then some areas where we should yield to philosophy and religion. Does that sound good to you? Yeah, so yeah. I'm going to name I'm going to name a number of issues in life and then we're going to either throw it into the domain of science or we're going to throw it into the domain of religion and philosophy. Does that sound good to you? Sounds good. Okay. Medicine and health. Science. 100%. Okay. So if it's a question of like, my inner voice is telling me not to take this medication, your inner voice is wrong. Yeah. <laughs> right? Like, don't, your inner voice is wrong in that. Okay. When it comes to interpersonal relationships or the, you know, raising children or the people around you, science or religion and philosophy? I would say religion and philosophy. I agree with you. Okay. You know, the people around you, you know what they're made out of and you don't need, there's no, there's no psychology or science that's going to tell you how you handle the affairs with others. Okay. And again, this is super obvious stuff, but I think it's worthwhile. Nature of the universe, like how were we created? How does time function? I would say it's a, it's a, it's a bit of both because if we're talking about the nature of the universe and the, in the sense of okay, um, how does the universe function? Mm. So how do the planets rotate, and you know what's what are each, what's the material for each planet? You know, is there life on each planet? That's science, because you're dealing with you're dealing with uh, you're dealing with the with the with what the, with the universe. You're dealing with um, with nature as it is, and you're trying to find out okay, um, so when when I what does soil do? What does you know these certain plants? What are they like? Are they poisonous? Are they not? And so this, this this has to do with you know experimentation, observation, and so forth. And this is very science. But if you're dealing with okay, 
when you say how does the universe how does the universe function in a way of you know um what's if you're dealing with the universe as a, as a you know as a so maybe they let me see if I can help you out here. So there's two universes that we can talk about. There's the observable universe, which is what you see in a telescope and what you view with satellites. And I agree with you. The observable universe belongs yes. belongs within the realm of science. 100%. If they say that there's dark matter in that corner, that's 100% science. So I think when it comes to the theoretical universe, that's probably religious and philosophical well, yes. investigation. Okay. Yes. Now I'm going to put an important caveat though, because I, I can imagine as a scientist, Hey man, don't tell me how to, you know, you like, I have mathematical proofs here that prove, and I'm like, okay, you can do whatever it is that you want. But when you're engaging in mathematical proofs of a theory of the universe, you're not engaged in science, you're actually engaged in philosophy, even though you're using math. So, because the scientists say, hey, I'm using math to prove the nature of the universe. And I'm like, okie dokie. But what you're still doing is you're still doing a branch of philosophy. So I would yeah. say, I would actually take that, that math and put it into the category of philosophy because it's still in the realm of conjecture and it's still in the realm of theory. It's not, it's not observable. It's not an observable thing. So it's still philosophy. Yeah. So I think that's a good rule. I think that's an awesome rule that the observable universe is the domain of science. However, the theoretical universe is the domain of religion and philosophy. Beautiful, yeah. excellent. Okay. Um, what constitutes a good life? What's the meaning of life? I think it's now we're also touching a bit of both. What constitutes a good life in what sense are we talking? So what constitutes a good life in the sense of, you know, having your, um, your chemical balance, you know, straightened out, you know, talking about. Oh, I um, didn't even think about that. That's good. Yeah. You're talking about, you know, what, what should you eat in order to, um, in order to, you know, at least function well throughout the day because i would assume that's that's part of having a good life is you know you're not you're not just tired all the time and you're not just you know um in, malnourished all the time and so forth so i would say that when it comes to when it comes to the the physical good life the the the, the um, exercise and so forth and science takes place because these are things that are observable but when it comes to the um what it, what it, what the meaning of life is, or what constitutes a good life, um, metaphysically, when you're dealing with, or you know, socially interacting with people and um, and so forth, I would say that it's 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 the realm of um, religion and philosophy. Excellent, and I'm glad that you made that distinction. I would say that that um, in terms of what you eat, I think that count. I would categorize that as medicine. So I, I would say that, yeah. you know, so that, 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 yeah. So any, so when people say, well, in order to live a good life, you need to eat lots of broccoli or carbohydrates or whatever it is that they're saying, which one of the things that bothers me is that sometimes the science on this changes every 10 years. When I was, when I, you know, in the two thousands, they were saying the Atkins diet, like just to eat meat all the time, you know, so there is a lot of um, vacillation, a lot of uh, fluctuations when it comes to yeah. this, but I would say generally speaking, what you should be putting in your mouth and the amount of water you should be drinking as far as that constitutes a good life definitely the realm of science however in terms of should i pursue wealth should i pursue being good onto my neighbors should i pursue a life of altruism that is within the domain of religion and um, philosophy 100 percent Am I missing anything? That's all I can think about right now. But am I am I missing any other thing? Any other lines? Huh? 
nothing that I can think of. I think, uh, yeah. and I, you know, I, I think this is important because I think our, it's funny. Our very last episode was boundaries. And I think that this is a boundary that just needs to get ironed out. I think there are areas where philosophy, like if, a, and I think even Socrates said this, he said it would be ridiculous for a philosopher to argue with an engineer. It would be absolutely absurd. It's like philosopher, shut the hell up and take a seat. The engineer knows how to build this bridge, just shut up. Yeah. But I think it's, just, but what happens is that there isn't this, equal amount of outrage when the engineer says, oh, hey, this is the meaning of life. Like there should be an equal level of outrage when the engineer steps out of his corner and starts lecturing the philosopher because the philosopher should never, 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 ever argue with the engineer about how that bridge should look like. And that same courtesy needs to be returned. The scientist needs to basically extend that same level of courtesy to the religious person and the philosopher in terms of yeah. how someone lives a good life. In, in an ideal world, I'll think that 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 absolutely that would be that would be the that would be the case, and that would be a, that would be a good thing to do. Yeah, absolutely. And when I and last thing I'm going to say before we close out is that you know when I say religion and philosophy, I'm I'm putting that in the domain of instinct, right? Because a lot of like it's 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 instinct. Like when you when you are reading the Bible, when you're reading Plato or Aristotle. A lot of it, you know, like there's when you're reading Aristotle, you don't turn to the index and there's a bunch of scientific studies cited. It's just like Aristotle says something and you instinctually say that's true or it's not true. So I would say yeah. that philosophy is really much grounded in the in the in 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 instinct. That's what it's grounded in. So when we say philosophy and religion, we're, we're talking about instinct because a lot of those truths are instinctually true, not necessarily like scientifically empirically true. Kenny, thank you so much for being on here. I think I think your instincts served you well on this episode. <laughs> well, my instincts said to come, so I, uh, I'm glad. I'm glad. I'm, I'm glad um, that you had me on. Thank you. This concludes the 148th episode of the Truth Island podcast. I'm Aaron Ezra.